Welcome to Stories of Hope, brought to you by our friends at Hope 150. Stories of Hope features testimonies from around our country of the many ways God has given beauty for ashes and peace for despair. Tell us your story. Stories of Hope at Hope150.ca. Here's Jacqueline Clements and Les Moore with today's Story of Hope. Well, today on Stories of Hope, glad to have in studio uh, Jared Hare. And uh, we look forward to hearing your story, Jared, uh, because uh, from what I do know, the little that I do know, uh, you've kind of gone full circle, right? Like like a church boy who's now a church boy. <laughs> but in the meantime, yeah. uh, the meat between that bun, uh, those hamburger buns, was some, some pretty crazy stuff that you're going to share with us today, huh? Yeah. Like you said, full circle, Les. Uh, it has been a total 180-degree change. Yeah. Well... Let's get into it then. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your background? Because uh, as you uh, will share, I know that so you, you spent some time growing up in the church. Uh, like, where was this at? Were you, was it just like a, a formal religion or were you a, a family of evangelical Christians? Like, where did you grow up and what church were you going to? Yeah, so for the longest time, me and my family, we went to Grace Baptist Church up on Memorial, I believe. Um, and we were fully invested, man, and I, I, I loved it. I really did. There was healthy um, relationships. Everywhere I looked, I was part of the youth group, and they had this, this um, event called Holy Rollers, and it was geared towards young teenagers that were skate- into skateboarding and stuff, and they opened up the basement of the church, and we would skateboard down there. So me and my brothers, we were... We were heavily involved in the youth aspect of the church, and it was a very it was an awesome place to be. Um, but at that same point, it, it wasn't necessarily my faith. It was me going along with my parents, saying, "Hey, we're going to church. Let's go do these events." And I'd be like, "Okay, they're fun. They're exciting. Got some good friends there." But I never really um, took the meaning and the message behind. Um, those events and what was being taught by the by the youth pastors to heart. So it was kind of just riding the emotions, right? Mm. I didn't know any better. I was I was thirteen, fourteen. So mm-hmm. it was a beautiful church, though, man, and yeah. just a lot of healthy friendships were growing there and fostering from that. Um, and then after, um, I think it was my grade eleven year in high school we lived out in Airdrie Uh, my mom got a job transfer out to Ontario and I was kind of heartbroken I was like this is I'm going into my final year of high school and I'm now having to move provinces Um, so I was a little jaded by that and that had a negative effect on you uh yeah like my parents they did a great job with us man they loved us and they raised us up in the way we should go. They definitely did that, but I was I was upset that we are now moving. Um, and so my peer group um, were good friends, and I wasn't necessarily into the partying scene at that point, uh, but when I was told we are moving, for whatever reason, I wanted that peer group to double. And so I started um, going to parties, drinking a lot more, smoking and doing drugs. And just I wanted people to know, like, hey, Jared, let's remember him for being that guy. The party guy, the fun guy. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, it's really sad that I found my identity in that for so long. Okay, so and, and your parents were aware of this or did you hide it? 
Uh, I, I, yeah, I hit it very well for a while, but then it got to the point where um, I was I was doing drugs every day, right? I wouldn't wasn't going to school, and so like they knew, Jared, you're up to something. We don't necessarily know exactly what that something is. The train was derailed, and I was sitting on the train for a long time. Where in Ontario was this? Uh, so we first originally moved to Stratford, Ontario. Um, and so that's where I finished off my grade 12. And then after Stratford, we moved um, up towards Oshawa area. Um, and when we were up there, we moved two more times, right? So it was a lot of moving around. Um, I, I went to college in Oshawa. Mm. And in my college years, uh, the partying was, if anything, amped up more just because I, ha- I had more income from my work. I had my own vehicle, so I was able to come and go. Um, and like I w- that's what I wanted. I really loved it. I loved the party lifestyle. I loved being known for like, oh, hey, here comes Jared. He's going to smoke and drink everyone out under the table. It's really sick, actually, mm-hmm. to think about. But that's what I, f- I found my identity in. So how long did this last from? So you, your last year of high school, it, it kind of amped up. Yeah. How long did this last? Mm, probably like seven, eight, nine years. Really? Yeah. And you're a family man. I know that. But were you? Did you get married under under this yeah, cloud of s- no? Drugs so alcohol? yeah, we were we were out in Ontario f- for a good. Oh, I don't know the years off the top of my head, man. But we were out there. F- so from the end of grade, or the beginning of grade twelve till my end of end of college a couple years after college so that span of time i was just i was focused on me doing what jared wanted when he wanted how he wanted and i took advantage of everyone that loved me in my life my family my brother i was not a good brother walked all over them just did whatever i could to get what i wanted um and then in my last year of college i got i became really really sick and i landed in the icu in a coma for three and a half, four weeks. And that was like um, the life-changing moment for me, not only me, uh, but my whole family was affected by that. What happened? Um, So looking back through it, it's, it's, it's a weird one, man. God's, God's hand has been all over it. Um, So when I first started smoking and drinking, this is going back to grade uh, nine, grade 10. Right. I used to dabble, but I wasn't fully in, engulfed in it by the end of grade 11 going into 12. Um, but I, I started smoking cigars, drinking a little bit, a little bit of marijuana. Um, but we noticed a growth starting to grow on the side of my neck. And as my lifestyle would increase, this growth started to continue to grow and really? it would get bigger and bigger. Huh. And at the end of high school we're like this is like the size of a small grapefruit what is this thing we should probably get it checked so we got it diagnosed and it wasn't cancerous it was just um a fatty deposit whatever it was i don't know the medical terms but we had it removed and then more years go by didn't think anything of it and then i get real sick like i was mentioning and the doctors were telling my parents you need to plan a funeral for your son Hmm. We don't know what's going on. He's on life support. It's been three weeks, uh, three and a half weeks come. A couple of days before they were about to pull the life support, um, I came to. 
And that's due to the fact that they had a specialist down in the States find out that um, I was sick with Lemire's disease. Um, and it's a fancy word for is there's some bacteria left over from that growth in my neck that broke away and got into my bloodstream. And then my bloodstream kind of carried it to my heart and my heart just started pumping uh, this bacteria all throughout my body. So mm -hmm. I, was, I, was, I went septic and uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was in a coma for that amount of time. And it was just, uh, I don't remember anything just coming to and like my whole life being radically changed. Wow. So was this the, uh, the point of your life where you're like, okay, I, I almost died. Uh, God has kept me alive through the doctors. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta make a change or how did you start to snap out of this? Yeah. By the grace of God, man, for sure. That was the moment where my heart, uh, was softening towards what God was doing. Like I, I the lip service of all the years prior, knowing the fundamental um, truth of the Bible and who Jesus was and what he did for me, but never personally living that out and making it my own. Um, that kind of all came swinging around and hit me hard. Um, and so I, countless nights after that stint in the ICU, uh, just weeping, Jared by himself, weeping, weeping, crying, my heart's breaking, Lord, I'm doing what I know I shouldn't be doing but I, I can't stop, right? Because prior to me getting really sick, it, it was an addiction, right? I've, I, I depended I dependent on these substances um, each and every day to function. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of the hospital, it was, it was second nature, and I just I picked it up where I left off. The, but the big difference this time was my heart. I didn't want to be doing it, whereas prior I loved it. I relished in that, and now I just, I, I, I didn't want to be doing any of it. I, I hated that lifestyle. And so along with that came the guilt and the shame. Whereas prior, I loved it. I, I was enjoying it, so I didn't feel bad about yeah. the choices I was making. Whereas now, uh, I hated myself and what I became. And then, yeah, the guilt, the shame amped up and continued to grow. And then there was a moment in my life there before we came back to Alberta because my mom and my dad had another job opportunity to come back here um, where, I, where the Lord miraculously removed the addiction. I was out for a weekend just doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And the drive home, I was just, I just prayed, Lord, take this, please, please take this, make this the one. Like, I just need your help. I don't know what to do. And then he removed it and all of a sudden I, I wasn't smoking cigarettes every day which is a crazy thing to think you're addicted to nicotine for so long and cigarettes and all of a sudden that just vanishes the urge to go out and party and drink and smoke was all gone and i was like wow this is it man i'm i'm sober thank you lord so is that the prayer jared by the way we're talking to jared Hare, and he's sharing his story of hope with us today uh is that the prayer for those that are fighting addiction because you've you've obviously uh and we'll get to the story where you uh, went to rehab here in the calgary area but uh, you you've known other addicts is that what it takes to simply say lord take it or for some people is it is it harder than that because hmm. yours was taken away and that made yeah. it easier for you yeah yeah, I think it's um, both sides of the spectrum for sure. Like I was 
fortunate to have experienced that um, supernatural relief. The Lord removed the addiction from my life. But I, I didn't know how to function normally, let's say, with without these vices, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I was just at home all the time. So you're sober and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I started playing video games again. Huh. My parents were like, this is weird. Jared's home. He's never home. What's yeah. going on? I, I started getting invested into the church where we were living in Ontario. I was going to Bible study. And like so I was really engulfed in in my faith at that point. And it was sweet because I was, I was able to taste and see that the Lord was good, right? Um, but I didn't know the coping methods of, li- like, how do you normally cope with stress when it shows up if, if your number one go-to is to go get high, right? Like, oh, I had a, a, a terrible day. I'm not feeling well. What, what do I do in that case, right? Majority of people, um, they'll go exercise or they'll sit down and read a nice book. They'll have a bath, whatever, whatever may be your... Yours was drugs. Yeah, mine was drugs, right? And so it was, uh, I, didn't have, I didn't have the tool belt, let's say, to, to cope in life normally. Um, and so there's this stint of sobriety and it was amazing. I was really digging into my faith and, and just understanding who the Lord was and what he was doing in my life. And I, I, I loved my life. I loved it. I was so happy, joyful. Then my mom and dad, they were like, hey, we're not going to be living in Ontario anymore. Let's move back to Alberta. I had a hard, um, I was wrestling with myself on this. I'm like, man, this is the first time in my life where I'm enjoying life and I'm sober and I have good Christian friends in my life. I'm involved at the church. Like, I don't want to leave this. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I remember the Lord vividly in a dream it was so cool man he just showed me that i'm taking you to alberta i'm taking you back to calgary um and so i still struggled with it um but i ended up coming back with my parents to alberta and um coming back here is weird right because i had all my old friends from high school and let's reach out to them what are they doing let's see how they're doing and it was the same thing right so i, I kind of picked it up again briefly and uh it just again the shame and the guilt start rearing its ugly face. Um, but the, the big difference this time is there is this woman I was falling in love with that I met at Bethany Chapel, and beautiful woman who loved the Lord. And what I fell in love with was her heart for the Lord. And uh, so there was a little bit of conflict there because Jared's got a huge history and a past of very shameful stuff. And he's dealing with that. How could a woman like this love me, right? And so as we started to hang out more and date, the more I f- fell in love with her, the more I was spending time with her, the m- more I was spending time with the Lord. Mm. So that's how I knew I'm like, this woman is the woman for me. I love the way you just said that. That is so awesome. The more time I'm spending with her uh, equates to more time you're spending with the Lord because she was sincere. She was yeah. real. Yeah. And so... That's just a natural part of your activity that you guys would pray together, probably yeah. open the word together, things like that, serve together. Yeah, yeah right? it was so cool. Awesome. It was so cool. Uh, but all the, all the, during that, right, there'd still be those occasional days where Jared would go off and drink and smoke. And I, I didn't know how to share that with her. And so, again, when you're hiding secrets, th- things you know you shouldn't be doing, the shame and the guilt start amping up again. And it wasn't 
every day, right? Where, where it was in my, my previous, um, bit of life where drug use and alcohol abuse was every single day. Now it was kind of sprinkled throughout a week. So internally in my head, I'm like, nah, that's fine. You know, I'm not anywhere near what I used to be doing. So there's still this inner conflict. Um, and then me and my lovely wife, Melissa got married and keeping lies from anyone, let alone the woman you're in love with does not work out at all. Um, and so the shame and the guilt just continued to grow. And at this point, the normal substances that I was using was not enough to be able to handle the stress and the guilt. Cause the real sad thing about substance abuse is it works so darn well. Hmm. And it's, it's really scary to think about. You're dealing with a lot of shame and guilt and resentment, anxiety, depression, whatever the case is, you take this substance and you just, you go numb. Right. And so I started using a lot more heavier substances. I started using like the worst things you can find out on the streets. And with that comes more shame and guilt. You're like, holy smokes, look what I'm doing now. I never thought I'd be here in my life. And she wasn't picking up on this? Yeah, so originally she didn't notice anything was going on. Um, but with the substances that I was using, it really takes a toll on you. Um, so she started to notice I wasn't sleeping at all. I was losing a lot of weight. I was looking sick. Uh, and then, yeah, that's kind of just, it kept going downhill. And then I was at the job I was working at um, up up in Airdrie, I was working at Alliance Church there. And my buddy, one of my best friends from high school days, um, he was a pastor there. And he's like, Jared, whatever you're doing, it's not honoring you. It's not honoring your wife. And it's most certainly not honoring the Lord. You need to deal with this. You need to bring this darkness into the light, man. Just bring it into the light. Just open up to the Lord. Just confess to him. Confess to the ones you love that are around you. And it will really set this recovery off. It will start this process of healing. Um, and so that's kind of where it, it began. I just opened up all my baggage in front of my wife, in front of my father-in-law, in front of my parents, in front of my, my, the staff from the church. Some came down, some pastor friends, and we were all just there in an intervention. And Jared just unloaded everything. And it was such a relief to feel that weight lifted. It was so cool. Hmm. I'll never forget that. Um, and then f from that step, it kind of, okay, Jared's got an addiction. He's really struggling with substance abuse. What, what can we do to find him help? Um, and then so I spent some time at the Calgary Dream Center here, which was a beautiful, beautiful experience. That was my first time in recovery. Uh, after my program here, I, I relapsed shortly shortly after um, and then within a couple months after my relapse I had the privilege of getting into Teen Challenge out in Pritis and that was a program that was a year long and it was it was a faith-based program right so it really tackled the spiritual sickness of addiction um, and after that year there it's been a complete change mm. I no longer even desire to partake of alcohol, let alone drugs, right? And um, I have the tools, 
in my tool belt that allow me to deal with with stress on like like a normal person right mm. you have a rough day you can't go out and get plastered you can't go out and smoke drugs you gotta be able to cope with stresses in life in healthy ways yeah um, and since teen challenge the lord is just is he's been showing up in huge ways me and my wife our marriage is alive and it's thriving it's been renewed it's been revived it's been so good um, we are blessed with a beautiful little baby girl and the Lord's just continuously showing up in ways that I wouldn't have expected hmm. five years ago, six years ago. <sighs> I'd love to get more of your story. We uh, maybe need to do a part two um, <laughs> on a different date. But uh, Jared, uh, Jared Hare is our guest today. Uh, this program is called Stories of Hope. And so uh, you're bringing hope to people who are fighting a- addiction mm-hmm. and, and substance abuse right now. Um, what does hope look like to you? If you had to define it, if you had to explain it to somebody who asked you, hope, what, what even is that? What would Jared Harris say? Uh, I would say simply it's not giving up, man. Admits the trials and, and the hurt, the pain, the, the depression, the chaos you're feeling in life. Just having hope hope that it will come around Mm. i didn't know when i didn't know how i just knew that the lord was good he saved me from death on the icu bed and i know there will be hope coming and it was just cool that i got a partner with him in that yeah so you mentioned earlier that you weren't a very good brother how is your family dynamic yeah, now uh, have, have there been consequences to oof. your your life prior to a real commitment to the lord or has he redeemed everything uh he totally has redeemed everything he has revi- revived it all um but there were some consequences yeah. um i had I, I spent some time crafting hand letters to each one of my family members just apologizing right asking for forgiveness my my youngest brother he told me he said jared i hated you and I'm like, man, that's so heavy. Yeah. I get why. I totally understand why. Um, but now we're, we're better than we've ever been. Mm. I still find myself sometimes I, I have to deal with the ch- the choices I made in in being who I was. Yeah. So, but you know, it's a process, and I have to be gracious to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, the last thing I'm going to ask you uh, briefly. To the person who is listening and saying, I, I am you. I, I am now yeah. what you were then. I'm fighting this. I'm struggling. I, I always want to go to the bottle. I always want to go to the, the joint, what have you. Um, every time I'm stressed out and there's stress every day. What's your, what's your exhortation? What's your word of advice? What do you want to say to that person who's struggling? Um, if it's gotten to the point where you're relying on whatever substance each and every day, you, you you need help. I thought for the longest time I could do it on my own. I will just uh, go away to BC for a holiday with my wife and then I'll come back and I won't have that pull to the drugs. Uh, but that was not the case. I, I just, I needed help. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and I, I, I had to involve my friends and my family. Hey guys, I am sick. I am sick and it's going to kill me. I see it's killing you. I need help and just being okay with knowing that we can't deal with this on our own and I think that's a lie that the enemy tells us for sure 
So just, yeah, asking for the help that's out there. There's hundreds of different opportunities to get that help and the recovery that's needed. So. All right. Well, Jared, thanks. So I'm so blessed and glad to, to meet you. Yeah. And God bless you as a dad, a husband, and, uh, and a hard worker and a citizen and a, a contributor to our society here in, in Calgary. And uh, it's a real pleasure to get to know you. Thank you so much, Les, for having me here. I enjoyed every second spending with you sharing my story. Thank you for listening to Stories of Hope with Jacqueline Clements and Les Moore on AM700 The Light. Share your story with us. Stories of Hope at hope150.ca.